Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. Excited to be joined by Scott Barker today. Scott was named a top 25 sales leader you should get to know in 2020 by Crunchbase. He's the head of strategic engagement at Outreach to IO and Overseas Partnerships and Revenue at Sales Hacker. He's also host of the Sales Engagement Podcast. He's author of the Forecast Newsletter and head of the Vancouver chapter of the Revenue Collective. Scott, a very warm welcome, mate. How are you doing? I'm excellent, Sam. Thank you so much for for having me. And I apologize for the, the, the long intro. It's quite a mouthful there. Oh, no worries, dude. We've had much, much longer in the past. We tried to keep them a bit short and snappier because I can only talk for so long. Anyway, dude, looking forward to, looking forward to talking today, Scott. Um, we're going to be covering the 10 revenue growth strategies for 2021 and beyond. It's a big, juicy topic, and it's going to have be full of um, sales and digital marketing advice for everyone tuning in today. Um, before we get to that, Scott, could you give us a quick snapshot for anyone that does not know Scott Parker, perhaps a quick um, intro to yourself and, and what you're about, Scott? Yeah, for sure. So currently, right now, Head of Strategic Engagement and Outreach. So what that actually means, I know it's a bit of an ambiguous title. Uh, I work very closely with our sales, marketing, and business development teams, uh, as well as our VC firms, uh, our board of directors, uh, and our ecosystem partners, really to find ways to drive pipeline uh, and strategic initiatives through the whole organization. So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, I do host a, a podcast of my own called the Sales Engagement Podcast. As you mentioned, uh, I write <clears throat> all about growth strategies in my my forecast newsletter. Comes out every week. Um, but you know, the background of of Scott Barker, I came I came up in a certainly an untraditional path. Uh, I'm actually a college dropout uh, who fell into to sales, actually in the the travel industry. Um, and worked my way up into sales sales leadership in that industry. From there, made a, a pivot into tech about six years ago now. Started at the bottom uh, as a BDR, you know, cold calling every day, making 100 dials. I uh, had a lot of success quickly, moved up again uh, through to leadership, got to build out teams, got to build out strategies, um, and was lucky enough to join Sales Hacker three years ago, uh, build out uh, the revenue side, uh, and the partnerships side of that business. Um, and we had a heck of a run and outreach acquired us in, in 2018, where I've, uh, where I've been since. Awesome, man. And um, yeah, no, no, you're a bit of a sales legend. I, I did hear your podcast with Brandon Bonanson back some time ago, where you told your story of kind of how you went from selling, I think it was, was it holidays or something like that for students yeah. and then kind of worked your way up? Yeah, it was. So the, it actually started, I was 18. And straight out of high school, I moved to uh, Australia, actually, to help open up a sales office. Uh, and at that time, I was I was selling golf and restaurant packages door to door, knocking on doors. So that's how it started. And then it went into selling kind of these these travel travel packages, uh, which was uh, high volume, high pr pressure sales at the time. Good fun, man. Yeah, you, you definitely learn quick in those kind of environments. That's for sure. Awesome, Scott. Well, um, 
yeah, let's dive straight into it. I know you've you've got some you've got ten strategies that we can we can basically follow throughout sales. I think there's a bit of marketing as well. So perhaps mm-hmm. you could kick it off for us with number one, and then I'll, I'll dive in with my thoughts and questions, so we can have a good conversation. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about kind of where sales and marketing is going, um, and and what is next. And of course, in my current role, a lot of what it comes down to is understanding relationships, not just that I have, uh, but across our entire organization, how we can activate those. So, you know, you mentioned a lot of folks, you know, listening are are small, medium-sized businesses. So an example for this first one, um, and I think we're gonna see this kind of explode with, of course, tools like LinkedIn making it easier than ever. So let's say you have 40 people in your organization, Uh, not all revenue facing, of course, but let's say each of those 40 people have roughly, you know, 30 potential buyers in their network that they know personally, whether they're an engineer, product manager, whatever, you know, if they look long and hard at their networks, you know, that let's say have roughly 30 of those 30 buyers, each one of those maybe has one referral that they could give you. Okay. So using very simple math, that's, you know, 2,400 potential opportunities that are just waiting there, sitting dormant at, at the moment. Um, and of course, this gets ex- exponentially higher as your organization grows and, and it scales. Um, but many of these relationships never get used, right? Everyone is simply too busy doing whatever their thing is, you know, writing code, building product roadmaps, creating the newest marketing campaign. And they're not focused sometimes on that really low hanging fruit. Um, So if the ultimate goal of companies is to grow revenue and increase shareholder value, um, why aren't we spending more time understanding those dormant relationships that sit within our organization today, like right now? So I love that, man. And that's definitely something I'm guilty of straight away, Scott. I, I mean, I saw a post, I think it was Morgan Ingram posted it recently. Anyway, it just sprung into my mind that I don't ask for referrals enough sometimes, especially when I'm doing bits and pieces of work, whether it's working new leads, whether it's trying to drum up new business, whether it's working, working on existing customer projects or just trying yeah. to grow the business and work on the marketing. Because as you know, there's so many different strings to pull when you run a business um, mm-hmm. that we forget that referrals are a, a bit of a gold mine. Um, and when you say referrals, Scott, are we talking about asking our existing clients or existing customers to pass us people they know? Or are we talking about leveraging our LinkedIn network for perhaps people we don't already do business with, but people that we know to ask them? Or is it both? Yeah, I would say it's a, a both for sure. And I would even take a step back and kind of what I'm proposing, I guess, as as one of these these 10 tips is what if one day a quarter, you know, your entire company stopped and every single person, whether they're an engineer, you know, it doesn't matter the role, uh, dove into their internal networks, people that already trust them, people already know them and activated just a, a select few close relationships that your product or service could help. You know, the impact on, on pipeline of that day would, would truly be astronomical because you get to jump a couple of steps ahead when the trust is already built. Um, so I would actually sit, I, I would start internally, get those referrals set up and then you can kind of get your web bigger and bigger as you go, uh, once you've turned them into to champions. 
Okay, and how does that look on a, a kind of tangible basis? So say, for example, you were looking at our LinkedIn network, as you mentioned at the start, would mm -hmm. it just be a case of looking at the connections we've already chatted to in the past and then asking them to book a call? Or is there a bit more to it mm -hmm. than that, Scott? Do we need to kind of strike up a conversation with them via DM? Or mm -hmm. what, what tips would you recommend on that front? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have to, to overcomplicate it. I would simply, you know, whoever's leading this charge, whether it's marketing or sales, when you, you block off this day and you call it like pipeline generation day, everyone stops what they're doing, just focuses on this. I would give everyone in the company, you know, uh, a one pager on your ideal customer profile or your personas that you typically sell into, uh, have them put those uh, titles into LinkedIn Sales Navigator um, and see who comes up. And yeah, it's as simple as sending them a, a DM because if these are our true relationships, you're leveraging the people that already know these people within your organization to get things going. So you shouldn't have to have a very complex uh, email or selling point. It's really like, hey, we're working with people like you. I know we have a relationship, You know, let's chat about it. Definitely, man. And like you say, it's an un untapped gold mine, and that, that makes perfect sense. Just spend one day with yourself and, and the rest of your colleagues, doesn't matter the size of your organization, and just tap those up. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. Okay, like it. What's, what's next for us, Scott? Yeah, for sure. Um, so next one, it, it's kind of in line uh, with, with the last one. It kind of plays nicely into it. Um, but I call it kind of, you know, champion hopping. So again, with tools like LinkedIn, there's another really interesting tool that just came out that's called Warmly. Um, you can basically ingest all of the champions of your product that you have today. So buyers who really, really like your product or service, let's say there's a hundred of them. Uh, you can now put them into these different technologies um, and you will get an immediate alert when people uh, jump, when one of your champions jumps to another organization. And we all know that, uh, the tenure these days of, of sales uh, and marketers and, and really any uh, persona is, is pretty small. So they're hopping around a lot. Um, and we found that, you know, jumping on them right away, those champions um, is a very quick way um, to get into other logos. Um, so if you're not doing this, I would highly, highly uh, recommend it. Nice. No, that's, that's cool. I've not actually heard of that tool before. So that basically lets you know as soon as your, your client, perhaps your point of contact at a certain company moves over to another organization, you'll get a, an email, will you? And then you can... Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess it's just a case of getting back in touch with them, really, is it, Scott? And just saying, look, I've see, I see you've just moved organization. What are you guys currently doing for XYZ, whatever your product or service is? And mm -hmm. booking that call in to, to find out a bit more about the organization and what's going on with them. Totally. Yeah, right. It's all about... You know, people talk a lot about personalization. Um, in my eyes, relevance is even more important than, you know, personalization. So this gives you a perfect relevant touch point to, to reach out and say, hey, I just saw you joined company X. Um, I know we did some great work together uh, through our, our product and service at your last company. You know, once you're settled in, let's have a time uh, to chat. Yeah, man. And there's nothing more frustrating, especially when you've got a client that you've got a really good relationship with. Perhaps you've done some really good work for over the, the months or years and um, just all of a sudden they've moved. You've not heard anything. And mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to know that you've got a tool so you can kind of pick up where you left off and uh, get get back involved. Cool, man. I like that one. All right, Scott.
So that, that's um, number three next for us, please, sir. Let's keep it rolling, man. Let's keep it rolling. Um, all right, this is one um, I wrote about two two weeks ago, uh, and actually came from uh, another uh, incredible leader at, at Outreach, and Andrew Mewborn. And this is a little bit later stage. So this is when you're actually having conversations with someone. This is going to boost your your win rates. Um, and you know, a lot of us are, are familiar with the term multi-threading deals. The multi-threading deals means you know, make sure that you're not just talking to one stakeholder at the company that you're trying to sell into, right? Make sure you're talking with their boss, maybe another stakeholder in another department. And the more touch points you have within a deal, uh, the more likely it is you're going to uh, win that deal, of course. And that's that's fairly uh, known best practice now. Um, but sure. Andrew brought up this idea, which I which I really like, and we're we're doubling down on. Uh, internally, is not only just having your deals multi-threaded, where it's you with you know three or four touch points within the organization, but make sure that your your internal executives are are multi-threaded with their executives. So instead of you being the uh, the kind of node where the three points come off, have yourself be there, but then your executives also directly attached. So your VP is talking to their VP, your director is talking to their director, you know, your marketing team is talking to their marketing team. Um, and with that, again, the the win rates go up pretty, pretty dramatically. Okay. So you, you might have to help me out a bit here, Scott, because I'm a bit ignorant on larger scale, larger size, more enterprise level deals. I yeah. tend to deal with the kind of small to medium business size um not too much on the higher level enterprise but that makes perfect sense where you've got the the multi-threaded deals where you've got more key stakeholders involved in, in any project and you've got longer time frames to get deals over the line um yeah. so when when you mentioned that so getting other people from your organization so if, if you've got someone from your marketing team speaking to their marketer you've got your perhaps vp of sales speaking to their vp of sales is that just because they're more likely to get along is that because we're utilizing both touch points we're getting more people involved in the deal and we're also involving team members from our side that are going to speak the same language as, as our potential client side. Is that why or is, this, is there a bit more to it? Yeah, I think it's it's all of those things you mentioned, right? It's the, the language that you speak. Uh, there's almost a, a level of respect or authority that comes on when you're like, okay, I, my, my VP is giving you time. Let's get your executive team to buy in and give give them time. Um, I had someone uh, put it to me uh, in a funny way the other day, um, a gentleman by the name of Joe Caprio, who's the CEO over at Reprise. Uh, he said, when you look on uh, a comic book cover, there's one of, one of two things usually. There's a, a bad guy and a good guy, or there's a team of bad guys and a team of good guys uh, that are all like the same level. So he's like, think of that when you go into your next meeting. Um, you don't want to be the one that's kind of outnumbered. Uh, and not that anyone's good guys or bad guys, but uh, it's a good way to, to remind Yeah, I like you. that. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a cool visualization. I quite like that. Okay, nice. <laughs> nice way to put it. it. Makes sense. All right. Well, let's let's keep this thing moving. I think we're on number number four. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it, keep it going. All right, number four. Um, so I use I use LinkedIn extensively. Um, our our executive team is is just starting to use it more and more frequently, and I know you 
Sam, use it uh, a lot. So it, it can't be understated how, how powerful LinkedIn is. And, and most of sure. us know that, right? Um, but something I'm, I'm looking at is we all know social media is not reality, um, but we kind of seem to forget. And uh, sometimes when you look at an executive who's hyper visible on LinkedIn, uh, it doesn't mean that they're the best or frankly even good <laughs> at their designated role. What it means is they have a knack for content marketing, PR, and maybe some public speaking uh, on top of some level of competency in their role. Um, and that skill set, of course, is very different than managing people and resources effectively uh, and making real-time uh, decisions like a, an executive. So uh, I think what we're going to see as a growth lever, because getting your executives visible on LinkedIn is it's going to bring you so much brand awareness, so much free demand, Jen. It's crazy, but I don't know if it's if it's possible to have the executives at our uh, respective companies um, doing both, like being public facing and internally getting things done. So I actually think we're going to see a bit of a, a split. Um, tough balance. Yeah, it's such a tough balance, right? You know, you you run your own business. Um, and I think some at these larger organizations, we're almost going to see a split between like they'll have their public facing executives and the, the people that that manage things underway um, or sorry, internally, because, you know, if if you truly double down as an executive on LinkedIn, it can almost be a full time job. It's certainly worth it, but you can't sacrifice um, things internally. So I don't exactly know what it looks There's like, but. There's, There's a lot of angles writers. I could take this. As, as you said, Scott, yeah. I love I love LinkedIn, create content every day. It, it takes a lot of time, you're right. Um, but it generates a lot of pipeline. It's as mm -hmm. as you, as a lot of people know, it's a great way to build trust, become what they call a thought leader. I don't like that term too much, but mm -hmm. it's 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 well overused, but it is what it is. Um and people can literally come out of nowhere, as as I pretty much did. Um, going from Sam Dunning, no one who knows 12 months ago to Sam Dunning, oh yeah, he does digital marketing, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. As many others, as many others done has done have done in their space, they might not necessarily be the best at it, but because <laughs> they're producing content and because they're in front of you day in day out with their text posts, their image posts, their videos, their stories, and whatever it may be, they're they're the one that you keep in mind. But moving this on to your point, um, getting executives onto LinkedIn, as you say, it can be a very time consuming thing. And especially mm -hmm. if you've got sales reps that need to be making certain calls, they need to be working with existing clients. Should they be set maybe an hour a day to spend on LinkedIn or should they be told, nope, nine to five is your selling time. Uh, you should do your LinkedIn work after hours, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's going to generate more pipeline. So it's in their own interest. But what are your thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly which way we're going to go. There's, there's a few different ways I think we could go, right? There's, there's there's allocating time to it which if you know i'm currently leading let's say a bd team or a sales team i absolutely would be a proponent of you know blocking off um an hour of your time to spend on linkedin i think it will be well worth the time um but we might also see a break uh in like further role special specialization where you would have kind of these sellers but a lot of what they're doing is creating content to uh to stir up inbound leads. And then you have mm. your your outbound people that are still banging out the, the calls and stuff, but you'd have a few select oh, people, right. thought leaders. Um, let's say you pick five or six people in your organization and yeah. you 
you put them kind of on a pedestal and you you let them do their thing um because i think it is really important to have that's interesting yeah that's really so when you say that are you talking about kind of leaving some sales to what we call the more traditional sales so they're perhaps doing their cold outreach their their sdrs they're doing their cold calls they're doing their cold emails and whatever kind of cold outreach they want to generate the appointments and you've got the account executives and so on above above them in different tiers but then are you saying you just have say you were a mid-sized organization you might just have two or three exclusive social sellers on linkedin Mm -hmm. that are purely creating content to generate pipeline and then they pass that to the other sales reps is that what you're saying I think that could be a, a path forward. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I think you, and, and the thing is, right, not everyone is good at creating content. It's a totally different skill, right, than, mm. than uh, persuasion, than problem solving. It's a different skill. You have to have copywriting. You have to be comfortable in front of camera, all these things. So we can't expect everyone uh, to enjoy it, to like it, and to be good at it, um, but certainly, you're going to find a few in your organization that that have a natural affinity for it. Um, and I'm saying just double down on those people, support those people. Um, and yeah, maybe they they take their own inbound leads. Maybe they pass them off. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to see how it pans out. It's a tough one, Willie. I'm, I'm an advocate for, especially with sales, letting um, reps do whatever they're best at. For example, if they're really good on the phone, stick them on the phone. If they're awesome mm-hmm. at email, stick them on email. If they can social sell and they're mm-hmm. not just scrolling LinkedIn all day, they're actually starting conversations, their content's actually generating leads and it's not just there for likes and shares of random stories that aren't even relevant to their product or service. Yeah. So as long as it's actually getting the results, then personally, I'm all for it. But I can mm-hmm. see with larger organizations, it's going to be more difficult because they've got to make sure that the reps are actually putting in the time that yields results. And that, that's a whole other conversation, but very, very interesting. Yeah. It will be interesting to see if there are exclusive kind of roles that are just purely social selling and generating a pipeline from that. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see what the future holds, man. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it so far, Scott. I think we're halfway now. Halfway now. Yeah. So number five, let's let's do this. Let's do it. Um, all right. So uh, in line, I'll, I'll continue down this thread of of thought leaders, and I'm with you. It's such a uh, ridiculous term. You know, we all have 10 million <laughs> thoughts a day, so we're all thought yeah. leaders. But um, so. I'll go, I'll go back to a study we did uh, about a year and a half ago uh, on Sales Hackers. So Sales Hackers, a community of about 165,000 B2B sellers. So um, we're able to do some surveys and get some really interesting data. And we, we talked uh, and we surveyed them and we asked where they are getting their information that informs their buying decisions, right? So we, we asked them, hey, when you're making a purchase, where do you look to? And it was really interesting, um, the results we got back. So over 40, uh, they said, uh, age group over 40, they said uh, ebooks and white papers, which is no surprise. That's kind of been best practice for the last, you know, five years or so. Build some ebooks and white papers. That's great. You know, uh, educate your buyers. Now, the under 40 crowd, which are, are largely going to be getting into decision making. Uh, positions soon, if not already, um, ebooks and white papers were dead last on on what was informing their decisions. Uh, the top two, uh, number one was thought leaders and influencers, and okay. number two was review sites. Um, so when you look at that data, uh, you really have to change your sales and marketing approach because what that says to me, at least, is people don't care what you have to say anymore. 
they care about what others have to say about you, right? So it's all about finding ways to highlight social proof. And I think that trend is just going to continue um, to, you know, spread like wildfire in, in B2B, B2C, anywhere you are. So as a seller or a marketer, it's not your job to, you know, have a, an opinion on your product or service anymore and explain all this. You have to speak through other people who have had success with your, your product and your service. Um, so social proof is going to become, you know, the, the thing of the future. Um, and I've seen it firsthand, you know, the, the only way I've ever promoted my personal newsletter, the forecast is I screenshot a comment uh, that someone has made about it. And I put that on and then I'll get, you know, a hundred people sign up. And that's the only way I've ever promoted. Gotcha. Nice man. So that's very interesting start again. Um, so age 40 plus mainly eBooks and white papers, then the under forties um, thought leaders. So when, when you say that, is that just people that have got a big following on sites like LinkedIn in the B2B space are just commenting about certain products or services and just saying that this is really good or is there a bit more yeah. to it than that? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're looking at, they're asking what kind of technology these people are using. It's the blogs they're writing. It's, it's, you know, presentations like this about what they're, um, they're talking about which services and products that they're, they're using and people are, are copying and mirroring that, um, which is super interesting. And another thing I'll highlight on that, um, because my brain's now going is I also think we're, we're going to see, and we're seeing it already is some of these thought, thought leaders best practices will start to actually get baked into our technology. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I'm not familiar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Beck Holland, but she does a lot of great work um, around uh, cold outbound, you know, sequences and how to get someone's attention. Um, well, there's going to be a world very, very soon where you could have her methodology, the way she writes emails and, um, right into your sales engagement solution. So whatever, uh, you know, outreach, uh, you name it, whatever sales engagement solution you're using, you can actually get that pre-populated with her thoughts um, and how she does it, uh, which I think will start to happen more and more. Like imagine if you could get the best sales ops uh, or sales engineer to pre-populate your, your sales force with all the fields that they use because uh, it's, you know, the best way of doing it. Um, we're going to see that coming, I, I'd say, over the next year or two. Man, that's, yeah, that's some seriously good technology. I didn't even know you could do that, to be honest. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's very, very interesting. Um, and to, to go back to the social proof side of things, are there any ways that people that are tuning in right now, Scott, kind of leverage that to their advantage? Is it just the case of, like you said, in your case, um, you've got people that have given you a solid review on your newsletter. You've taken a screenshot of their review and then posted that um, on social media, wherever you needed to, to put it. Is, it. is it just doing that? Are there other ways we can leverage that? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. So most people's you know demos or calls or sales calls are are recorded now. You might be using something like Gong or Chorus, um, like a conversational intelligence tool, um, and you can track when people you know are saying positive things about you, whether it's in a demo or in a customer success call. Um, and I would make sure that you're um, keeping that somewhere, um, and then you can compile those. Uh, into some sort of video. Of course, I would 
I would ask for permission first. Um, but I think there's tons of ways to to utilize social proof. Um, so that that's one way. I, I would make sure you you're looking at all your your call recordings, your demo recordings, teasing out little anecdotes that people say about your products and service and using that exact same language that they use in your next call. Great point. Great point. I mean, that's that's something I've learned to do over the years, Scott, especially. I mean, using your client's language, literally using what they say about your product, even on discovery calls, when they're saying they have issues with X, Y and Z, and they're literally using the words to describe that. When you yeah. then use that, when you're talking about how your solution can then help solve that problem, they relate to it because you're putting it in their language. You're literally using the words that they said. And it does help a lot. It helps more than you think. So that's, that's a really great tip, man. I like that. Okay. Well, um, there's some great points there, Scott. Let's let's get on to, to number six, sir. Yeah, let's keep it rolling. Um, all right, this is one that uh, I've been utilizing for a long time. This came from actually our uh, the CEO of, of Sales Hacker, who I think you had on the, the show not that long ago, Max. Um, Max, yeah. Kind of brought me into this world of, of virtual assistants. And we, we've been using virtual assistants at Sales Hacker for, you know, me for three years, I think Max for about five years. And I think that all across B2B, um, most sales and marketers who are high performers uh, in the next year or two will start leveraging virtual assistants. And what virtual assistants are is someone in you know, uh, an area, let's say a, a third world country, the Philippines, India, where the cost of living is, is lower. Um, and so the, the labor uh, is cheaper. These are super well-educated people, uh, highly professional, incredible at their craft. Um, and for uh, a pretty small amount uh, of, of money and an hourly, call it nine bucks an hour, uh, you can get some of the more repetitive tasks that you do every day uh, off of your plate, um, which, you know, it, it's so invaluable. I just was using it earlier this week. I was doing a relationship mapping exercise, trying to map all of our uh, executives' uh, relationships to these accounts. And I was like, oh, this is taking me so long. Um, and I just you know, got a Google Doc going. I wrote down what needed to get done, passed it off to our virtual assistants. They got it done way faster than I could have ever got it done. Um, so any of those repetitive tasks can now be outsourced. I guess that old saying comes into play, Scott, do what you do best, outsource the rest. Um, totally. And it's something that I'm certainly guilty of at times. So I'll be wrapped up kind of messing around with emails, faffing around with Google Sheets, Google Docs, all these different bits and pieces that I might not necessarily be the best use of my time when, yeah, you could certainly delegate it. And like you said, if it is a case of it's a data entry job or it's something that someone doesn't necessarily need to, to know exactly the ins and outs of your job, as long as they've got a, a brief idea, I guess it kind of makes sense to to get that done if it's going to be cost effective. Um, totally. Yeah, it's, it's all about valuing your your time. You know, give yourself, hey, I'm worth $500 an hour. And then don't do any tasks that aren't, that don't fit that, you know, and delegate the rest, outsource the rest. Uh, there are tons of options for you to, to do that now. Upwork, sure. yeah, there's lots of different, different places. No, nice one. That's that's a solid tip, man, and that makes perfect sense. More so for for business owners, I guess, even sales professionals. If you've got a lot on your plate, a lot of um, deals to get done, a lot of calls to make, and if you need help with managing your day to day, I guess that could fit in nicely as well. To be perfect. fair, cool, man. All right, well, number seven, please, sir. All right, we're keeping it going. Um, all right, this one is 
um, it came from, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I, I came across it on LinkedIn. And of course we all spend so much time now on Zoom calls, you know, eight hours a day, we're all on Zoom calls, kind of exploded. Um, and a lot of our, our demos, our pitches, our client facing calls um, are still not using the, the kind of the, the full scope of what you can do now since we're in a digital atmosphere. Um, and a lot of people are still relying on, you know, boring PowerPoints to get a point across. Um, and I think what we're going to see is a lot more kind of call it augmented reality where you can actually interact with your space um, through your presentation. And there's a company called uh, Prezi, P-R-E-Z-I, uh, that's, that's playing around with this. So imagine that instead of you know, me sharing my screen and you just walk through a PowerPoint, I could like flip through it like here or something, or it could pop in from the side. Um, and this is already happening and it's going to make our presentations so much more uh, engaging. Um, I know I'm guilty of completely zoning out on some Zoom calls uh, if it's yep. not completely relevant to me, but it's much harder to do that when it's super engaging and you know, you're interacting and there's all these things flying at you. Um, and you know, the, when you start going down that path, the potential of that is really limitless, right? You could have backgrounds that change programmatically by who enters the zoom call, right? The different personas you sell into, you could have a different quote there. You could have different things come in. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's going to be super interesting because this real estate is very valuable, right? You, you think of how many millions of people are on zoom. Uh, every day, companies are going to wake up to the fact that um, all that space that's not being utilized is, is very valuable. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, man. I'm going to have to check out that that tool. Do you say it's called Prezi? Prezi, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And I think from what you've said, that could be beneficial definitely for the prospective client or the existing customer that we're doing our Zoom call, our pitch, our presentation to, to obviously keep them engaged um, and have something a bit more interesting, engaging for them but also maybe the, the seller, because mm -hmm. it, it sounds like it's gonna cause us to move about a bit more rather than just mm -hmm. say we've had back-to-back -back phone calls or meetings all day, get into one of your last presentation calls of the day and we're just kind of clicking and talking. And if, if we're actually moving stuff around and waving at our webcam, we're actually, we're physically moving as well as the screen's engaging, it'll probably keep them a bit more uh, interactive, a bit more active. And um, yeah, just, just give everything a bit more of a buzz really about it, it sounds like, which is, mm -hmm which is definitely something that's a bit lacking. It's like you say, a lot of presentations are a bit monotonous. They're the same kind of stuff over and over, uh, same right. kind of PowerPoints that you've seen. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's cool, man. That's that's a good way to spice things up. So I'll have to check out that tool. Okay. Well, heading towards the last couple of points now, I think. Last couple. All right. Um, so here's kind of more of a, uh, I guess we'll call it a trend uh, that, I'm, that I'm seeing is uh, Sales technology as a category, you know, most of us have CRM now, most of us have sales engagement tools, sales enablement tools, maybe chat, maybe conversational intelligence. Uh, we have all these different layers now that are applied um, in our sales tech stack to make our sellers more important um, and more effective, sorry. Um, and I think over the course of the next little while, what we're definitely gonna see is sort of a, a mass consolidation. A lot of these uh, tools now are having competing features with one another. Um, and similar to what we saw in, in MarTech, 
uh, a few years back where um, there was a bunch of big acquisitions. A lot of the small players went away. Um, I think we're, we're, we're ripe for that uh, in the, in the coming years. So um, I guess my, my point there is make sure that you're, you're internally looking um, onto what you're, you're using um, because a lot of us kind of got tool drunk and thought that technology would uh, fix all our problems um, and it doesn't always. So you need to be very strategic with uh, what sales tech you, you leverage um, and make sure that your, your internal stack doesn't have too many uh, features and functions that overlap with one another. Yeah, I'm probably the worst person to speak to about tech stacks because I, I keep things very, very minimal. I don't even actually use a CRM because I've tried, which people have probably heard me say on the show before and probably think, Sam, what the heck are you doing with your life? But I've, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm one of those people that have tried most, most of the major ones, Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive, um, and just couldn't get on with them. Just don't enjoy kind of the manual data entry. And I've, I'm very, very forgetful. So I like to just have I've got two screens here. I've got my Google sheet on my second screen, which is customized to my needs. Just put all my yeah. sales, sales lead data there and I'm good to go. I've got it in one clean place. But I think ultimately it's working out what works for you. So <laughs> not getting complacent and understanding the technology that's actually going to help you make best better use of your time and kind of not causing you faffing about. But if there are any... Um, perhaps more unusual tools in sales or marketing that people might not have heard of, Scott, that you think could help people with their day-to-day -day selling or, or marketing activity that we might not have heard of? Yeah, I mean, I, I can go on and on. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'll say there to, to your point is, you know, sales engagement tools like Outreach have actually now, um, we've got to a point where you don't have to do the manual entry anymore, which is really cool and exciting. Um, you can actually have all of your emails and all the fields pre-populate in your CRM for you. Um, so Sam, I would push back and say, go check out some sales engagement. Okay. You, don't, you don't have to do it anymore uh, manually. Um, so I think, you know, sales engagement is, is a category I've been on, around for a long time. I think it's going to absolutely explode. It's going to become as big as CRM uh, in the next couple of years. Um, but I, I mentioned a few things. Prezi, go check it out. I think it's cool. Uh, this new tool, Warmly, that tracks your champions when they hop around uh, is interesting. Uh, I love the conversational intelligence space uh, right now. It's really cool. Basically tracks all of your, your Zoom calls and recordings and picks out different uh, insights um, that, that you can use. You know, bringing up uh, budgets in the first half of the call is going to be you know, better than if you do it at the end or it'll help you watch your talk time so you're not talking more than your prospect. Um, so that's really cool now that everything's done uh, digitally and uh, excited for that space to, to continue to grow. Um, and, you know, I also love, you know, there's, there's this company called uh, uh, Replays as well. Um, okay. That is awesome. They do uh, digital on-demand coaching, which is more important than ever. So you could actually send them a, uh, a sales presentation and say, hey, how'd I do? And they have a team of VPs of sales and CROs that will um, will kind of dissect it for you and, and point mm -hmm. at your blind spots. That's cool. Uh, Postal.io is another really cool one. Uh, they're basically bringing um, B2B gifting, um, make it like as easy as a click of a button uh, to send something really interesting and thoughtful to, to your prospect. Um, so yeah. I could go on and on. I, I'm, I'm very much no, a, a sales I, tech I, nerd. I was going to say, I'm happy to nerd out on, on tools and technology and, and try yeah. and listen all day long, but I'm sure we've, we've got to keep things moving. All right, the penultimate, penultimate tip, please, um, Scott. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, this one is uh, one. Uh, this originally came from Ryan Moon. He's the VP of sales over at uh, Allocata, Allocadia. And this is something we've been doing instead of uh, demos. Uh, this is more for, for bigger companies, but you could, you could mirror the same approach um, with smaller accounts as well. And they, they replaced uh, demos, so trying to set up demos, with setting up uh, assessments instead. So instead of having your team out there trying to book demos or discovery calls, um, try having your team put together an industry segment or category assessment uh, that gives the prospects uh, organization a snapshot into the health of their business in that particular area. So for example, um, if you're selling you know, outreach, which is a sales engagement platform, um, instead of going, hey, do you want a demo of my software? You could say, hey, you know, are you interested in doing a, a sales sequence assessment? You know, we mm -hmm. work with 4,500 different sales orgs. So we know kind of the best practices for sales sequences. Uh, we'll be able to look at them together and give you some feedback on how you're doing and what you can improve. And all of a sudden, it becomes a much easier sell for your team to set up these meetings. Um, and it's a standalone value add. So just by them showing up to the meeting, they get value from it and they don't have to actually buy your product and service. So it's all about creating uh, value in yeah. every interaction. Mm, quite like that. Okay, so instead of the, the demo side of things, and I guess that takes it from a more generic level because a lot of demos, not all of them, but a lot of demos do tend to be quite generic, especially if, if there's a software as a service, which is not that necessarily customizable to each company. Each demo is going to be much of muchness. Um, whereas what you're talking about sounds like more a more of a tailored approach. So we're actually spending some time to actually review something, do an assessment. So if in case, in this case, it might be an email sequence, an email chain, and actually yeah. an analyzing that, giving some tips and perhaps how our product or service can can improve that. Is that right, Scott? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can think of how whatever product or service you're selling, how how that could apply. Uh, it's basically giving them, you know, the knowledge that you have. I always say, you know, teach them everything you know and everything that your product and service does. Basically, you teach them all, and then at the end, you go, "Hey, and we we make this infinitely easier if you want it." You know, uh, it's really kind of that that simple. Got it. So I guess that's more work up front but then yeah. you're, you're standing out from your competition because you're actually doing a lot more research. You're reviewing what they've got right now and you're basically showing how you can help them from the start. Yeah, totally. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, that's, that's a great tip. So let's, let's hear number 10, the, the final, the final one. Number please. 10. All right. Number 10, we'll keep this one short and sweet. I know we're going a little bit long. Um, I, I would just say for, for sales and marketers out there um, on the, the front line, I think, over the next few years, uh, copywriting and creativity um, are going to be two of the most powerful skills that you'll you'll need to learn, uh, and growth levers that you can pull. Uh, more so than, you know, sales has had a long-standing um, kind of hustle, hustle, hustle uh, culture, um, which we're seeing now. You know, since COVID started, I, I read this stat that 30% more emails are being sent. So if you're just doing more of something, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. You know, you're just speeding in the wrong direction. So take time to be thoughtful, up-level your copywriting skills, get hyper-creative. Uh, more is not always better. 
Um, and that's how companies and, and people are going to win in the future. Love that. Love that. I've been saying for a while that salespeople need to become marketers. In fact, totally. I've been, preach been preaching that on a few podcasts lately. I've had a few arguments with people on LinkedIn, uh, basically it's where so I say, true. look, I, I, I've basically been riling a lot of people up the wrong way, ruffling feathers, because I say, look, you, you can't rely on your on your marketing team. Even though I'm a digital marketer and I help clients <laughs> generate more inbound leads through their digital presences, you yeah. can't rely on your marketing team to feed you leads. Even though they might feed you several leads, you might have to distribute those between different salespeople or business owners, depending on the size of your organization. And if you're sitting there idle waiting for leads, then you're going to be, you might be waiting a while, depending on how many leads you get every day. If you're, like you say, Scott, if you're creating content each and every day, whether that's through LinkedIn, whether that's via email, whether that's through other social channels that your customers hang out on, you're one step ahead of everyone else, aren't you? Totally. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I did a presentation as well uh, recently called uh, the four uh, the four things salespeople should steal from marketers. And I'm totally with you, man. The, the, the lines are blurring. I think marketers need to become mm. salespeople and salespeople need to become marketers in, in the new world. How long till marketers get a quota? <laughs> I think it's <laughs> happening, man. It's, it's happening and certainly in some of the circles. I mean, a lot of marketers are getting tied to... I revenue. think a lot would lose jobs, man. I mean, this is a blunt statement, <laughs> but I think a lot of marketers would lose jobs. <laughs> yeah. I think the ones that are embracing that and saying, hey, I want to be tied to a number um, are are going to reap big benefits. Uh, and mm. you're seeing they're, they're starting to stand up. I hope that happens soon. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. Scott, look, really appreciate this. Um, it's been 10 awesome, valuable tips for everyone tuning in. Um, so thank you so much. And thank you for giving us lots of actual tips we can put into place straight away. Um, Scott, please t do tell us more about yourself, your business, anything you'd like to promote and how people can learn from you and get in touch with your good self, sir. Yeah, for sure. First off, thanks everyone for, for listening to this. And Sam, thanks for, for having me. Um, so follow me on, on LinkedIn, Scott Barker. Uh, I share similar tips like this almost every day. Uh, I've got a newsletter called The Forecast um, that, uh, you know, again, it's right right in this same same ballpark. I talk about best practices of the future uh, in sales and marketing. Uh, go check out Sales Hacker at www.saleshacker.com. Um, and yeah, if you're looking for something uh, to make uh, your outbound motion uh, your entire sales revenue organization more efficient, go check out uh, Outreach as well, outreach.io. Awesome, man. Scott, thank you once again, sir. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate it. Cheers, dude. And if you enjoyed the show, please do search Sam's Business Growth Show on your podcast channel of choice, be it YouTube, be it Apple, Spotify, wherever the heck you get your podcast. We interview business leaders each and every week to help you grow your sales, grow your business, and make best use of digital marketing. Thank you very much for tuning in. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.